Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Liam, or at the FSA Tweets on Twitter. And as usual, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Rich. Rich, at Dynasty Island on Twitter. How are you doing, bud? Very good, thank you. Um, obviously, roster cut down day today, so been slightly mental, although no no massive shocks or surprises so far, I don't think. I can't wait to look at my uh, notifications tracker, you know, on iPhone, how you can go on iOS and you can see how many notifications you get from each app. This <laughs> week is just going to be a massive anom- anomaly from Twitter because it's just going out of the out of the stratosphere right now, Rich. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to I've got to update my contractual depth chart uh which <laughs> I might I might put off until Friday, I'll be honest, cuz uh I think it's going to be a big job after all these players being cut and uh, all sorts of transactions happening. So um, if you've been listening for the past couple of weeks, we've been going around the league in four pods. So we did the um, Wild West and the Soft South over the past two weeks. This week, we're going over to the East and I've called it the Enigmatic East, Rich. 
Um, because with a lot of these teams, I have no idea what's going to happen. And I don't think anyone really knows what's going to happen within the divisions either. I'm I'm impressed. You have, someone obviously bought you a Theosaurus last week because um, yeah, I feel these these uh, uh, what they what I don't even know what they are. Are they adjectives, adverbs? Yeah, they are ad- adjectives. Rich, there you go. They're uh, they're getting better every week. Just type it into Google. Who needs to buy a Theosaurus? <laughs> Thesaurus. <laughs> anyway, um, let's dive in, and we're going to start in the NFC as we have done the past few weeks. Rich NFC East. Let's start with the Washington Commanders. Now, um, I want you to introduce the guy that you've been talking about all off season. It seems, and um, post draft. Yeah, it was was one of my big, uh, I guess, pre draft loves um, as much as post draft. So I, I, I seem to remember us having a conversation, and you you dropping the big five, and me correcting you and saying it yeah. should be, should be the big six, and that's Jahan Dotson. Um, like by the looks of it, we we've probably been wrong, and it should have been probably the big seven with George Pickens included. But uh, but we'll stick with the big six. Um, yeah, I I love Jahan Dotson in the pre-draft. I really love him. Um, I think he's he's been having, by all accounts, a fantastic camp and a fantastic preseason. And I think that because it's Washington and people don't really care, um, it's it's going under the radar. And you know, as we said, the George Pickens hype's getting out of control, and I think people have. Are missing on what could be a a really promising rookie at a, a bargain price. Um, you know, wide receiver forty seven. Considering this is a guy that was a top twenty draft pick and ticks a lot of the boxes from production profile. Was was just a little bit older. You know that that senior coming out rather than the junior. But yeah, I, I really like him and I think he, he still offers a good value. And I think there's probably going to be a nice little buy window at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I lo- I love this, and I think a lot of this comes down to um, the fact that the Wentz is the quarterback there. Now, we'll be talking a lot more um, about Wentz and his wide receivers in a little bit, but l- let's face it, Wentz hasn't been as bad as people give him the rap for in terms of fantasy production. Yes, in NFL games, the Colts took the ball out of his hand and gave it to Jonathan Taylor, let's not forget Jonathan Taylor was if not or was or is however you want to put it one of the best running backs if not the best running back in the league and if you're not giving it to him when your quarterback is doing mediocre if not worse then what are you doing with your offense like that that doesn't like it doesn't compute to me why people are knocking went so hard for what he did the optics were probably worse than some of the games that he actually had in terms of fantasy production. I think a lot of people are letting the NFL in terms of that kind of viewpoint creep into what they see Wentz did last year. Um, I mean, he kept Pittman, who everyone seems to love this year, as the wide receiver 17 in PPR. Why do we, or why are the community stopping uh Oh, it's Wentz. Let's let's kind of fade that entire offense because of him being the quarterback. Yet everyone seems to forget he was the quarterback for the wide receiver seventeen, who has now shot up because he. Let's face it, they, the Colts have got a better quarterback there. But why are we not giving Wentz a little bit more credit in terms of what he's going to do this season? I do think that he has the upside to with or to help to 
wide receivers get to top 24, top 36, I'd say top 36 at minimum in production this year. Do you agree with that, Rich? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, if, if we're sitting here saying, look, Jahan Dotson's a top 48 receiver. Well, if he's a top 48 receiver as a rookie and his current price is wide receiver 47 in Dynasty, you know, his value's only going one way, isn't it? It's not going to take much for Dotson's value to go up. Um, and, and that's part of the reason that I'm in. You know, I think he's I think he's a good a good player in a, a good prospect. And yes, the quarterback situation isn't isn't incredible, but you know, I'm I'm not that concerned. There's an awful lot worse quarterback out there than Carson Wentz. And as I said, it's not going to take much to see a rise in John Dotson's value. So yeah, I'm I'm very happy buying at, at the the wide receiver 48 price. What about yourself? Who who's your player that we're we're picking? I'm going over to probably the other side of the offense, but staying at wide receiver, so um Terry McLaurin. Because I, I'm kind of expecting both of these guys to play on the outside. Now I, I'm not gonna repeat what I said for Wentz, but McLaurin has been a top I think he was top um, 20 um, in two years ago in PPR. He was around the 25, 27 mark last year in PPR. Now, he's always hovered around that fringe wide receiver two number, top 24 wide receiver. But his price has never been that he's a that kind of fringe. He's always been a lot higher. What I want to talk about is he's now getting to the point where I can kind of see me liking him on a few of my rosters. I still think that he's a little bit too high, about three or four spots. He's currently wide receiver 17 in ADP. If he drops to that 20-ish mark, I can see me seeing that as a bit more of a value and going to buy a few more shares. But right now, I think he's just signed a new contract. Um, That's worth a two-year extension with a bit more... Um, on top that's not um, guaranteed but there's basically two years where he's not going to get cut whatsoever after this year so for me that's a kind of contract that I want to kind of follow and let's not like beat around the bush Wentz as I said wasn't as bad as people are giving him the credit for last year but equally he is much better than all the other quarterbacks that he that McLaurin has played with McLaurin has never played with one quarterback for the entire season. I mean, last season he had a lot of um, Tyler Heineke, but he didn't have him for the whole year. He had Ryan Fitzpatrick for at least the preseason. Um, Not saying that's a huge factor, but let's face it, Wentz is a massive upgrade on Tyler Heineke. Sorry, Rich. I know Heineke was your boy last year. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this is an upgrade that isn't being spoken about enough, but the price kind of reflects it right now. I think it's just kind of like that boring safe pick that has always been valued a little bit too high that has now kind of seen that pro- or seen the value kind of rise to where his ADP is actually going. Rich, where do you fall on McLaren? I've, I've, like, I'm, I'm a noted uh, McLaren hater, shall we say? Um, and I've I've never hated the player. I've just hated the value, if anything. And I think that, you know, you hidden it. This is a guy that's never produced, I think it's a top 20 season off the top of my head. Um, yeah, who's the wide receiver 20 
There you go. Okay. Not last year, the year before. So that's his best season, yet he's been valued as a top, you know, 14, 15 wide receiver for the past two, three years. Like, and everybody says, well, he's not got back. He's not, he's never had a good quarterback situation. Well, newsflash, it ain't changing anytime soon. Um, look, I, I don't get the love. I think he's a very good NFL receiver. I just don't think he's ever going to be elite from a fantasy perspective. Um, yeah, he's, you know, he's a very good route runner, but I don't think he's elite. Um, and I just don't think that the value is is ever going to be there. Let's not forget the guy's 26. Like, and yes, 26 isn't old, but we obsess about wide receiver age, and you know, we're ready to throw guys on the scrap heap because they're 28, 29. Well, Terry McLaurin's not, not a million miles away from that. Um, I think this this wide receiver 17 value is far too high for me. He's, he's my wide receiver 34. Um, and to me, I'll be honest, it's really not very far between in terms of McLaurin and Dotson straight up. So I've got McLaurin at 34 and Dotson at 36. Um, you probably wouldn't have to add much to to um, Jamal, uh, Jahan Dotson in order for me to trade you Terry McLaurin straight up. That is spicy. Let's let's move on before we start um, with any more spicy takes, Rich. But um, let's move on to the Cowboys now. My player for the Cowboys will be Michael Gallup's team, the wide receiver room here. Jerry Jones came out this week and said that if it was the Super Bowl, that Gallup could take the field. He just wants to be a bit more careful with him. It's Jerry Jones. I don't know how much stock I'm actually going to put into that. Um, he seems to talk about anything and everything. And he made a glory hole comment in one of his presses last week, just kind of shows what Jerry Jones's presses are like. Um, but I suppose what I kind of want to talk about is his ADP is currently wide receiver 55. He's got a contract. With, oh, he's just signed an extension. So he's going to be there for the next three seasons, including this year, with a max of five seasons in total now. To me, at wide receiver 55, that kind of um, security uh, contract is really good at wide receiver 55. I'm just going to keep saying it. He's just real cheap. You could get him for like a second right now. And when he comes back and he's playing, then I can see his value increasing and his weekly upside being a top 24 wide receiver. We've seen the offense produce one, if not two um, receivers each week in that top 24 range. I don't see why Gallup is being slept on. I do think that the price is starting to rise already though. So if you're buying now is the time, but if you wanted to buy at peak or uh, his his lowest, it was probably about two months ago. Um, Rich, where do you fall on Gallup? And then we'll go straight into your next guy. Yeah, I, th I think he's a screaming value. Um, you know, this is a guy that he's got his clear defined role. He's going to be the X in this offense. We've seen that he's going to get, you know, a, a decent target share. Um I, I, the one question I have, I haven't seen if he's been put on the pup or um, what's happened in terms of him. To, uh, any, I haven't seen any announcements today. So if he doesn't go on the pup, then, then I think that that's a really interesting um, development and it means he's probably going to play in the first four weeks. Um, so, yeah, that's that's even, even more of a reason to go out and buy. 
But as you said, he's it, getting tight now. I think as soon as he's on the field, people are going to realise how good he is and how much of a value he is. Um, so, yeah, if, you, if you're acting, you need to act fast because people are already looking to set those week one lineups. And at the moment, he probably doesn't consider uh, making his way in. So I think you can you can go and steal him pretty cheap until uh, until he actually is on the field. Um, my guy, um, so it's Tony Pollard. I think you know, we, we talk an awful lot about longevity and what, what we're doing with running backs and things like that. But bear in mind, Tony Pollard feels like he's been the, the heir apparent in Dallas forever. And it's another year where he's the heir apparent again, just as Zeke's probably coming to the end of his tenure with Dallas. Tony Pollard's a free agent and I can't see him him kind of re-signing in, in Dallas, quite frankly. So running back 31 in ADP, that feels about right, to be honest. I think he's he's a high-ceiling upside play. This is the guy, you know, his, his only ever performance where Zeke didn't see the field, he was the overall RB1 and scored, I think, 30-something points. This guy's ceiling, if Zeke gets a long-term injury, is absolutely sky-high. But there is a significant risk that Zeke is probably going to, you know, pound away and play every week and, and we're not going to see anything. So I really like Pollard as, as that upside play. It's the type of running back that I love rostering. And I also think that he's got some sneaky upside of he's probably going to get a, an upgrade in terms of his overall situation next year as a free agent. My one concern is that Dallas offensive line is already starting to fall apart. We've seen the Tyron Smith injury. That was horrific. I'm not quite sure, you know, their thread there now at left guard, left tackle. It could be a, a, a very disappointing offensive line, should we say. I think PFF moved them from their sixth overall rated offensive line to 26th or something. Um, after the Tyron Smith injury because they've just got no other options. So it'll be very interesting to see if that means a slight positive for Pollard because he's going to get more more options out in space and he's going to get more checkdowns and used a little bit more inventively because of the poor offensive line. Or it could obviously be a negative because the offensive line isn't as good creating as much space for him. So what do you think of Pollard? I think with... Um, Pollard, my biggest concern is will he ever be the running back one in an offense? That is the biggest question around him. If he is, then he's a screaming buy right now. Um, RB31 value for a potential running back one on an offense next year. You don't see it really ever. So I think he's a great buy if you do believe in that. Personally, I don't. I think there will always be at maximum a 1B type of back where he'll provide some sort of role in terms of the the offense, but he'll never be the down-to-down running back one that you'll always see on the field. Um, and as you said, he's not going. Uh, his contract ends this year, so I don't think he's going to be back in Dallas. But equally, I don't think that any team is going to sign him to become that running back one role. I think that they'll always sign him to be more like a Chase Edmonds kind of signing where they sign Chase Edmonds and then like the Miami, sorry, signed Chase Edmonds and then signed Raheem Mostert not long after that kind of situation where you expect him to be the running back one. And then 
um, a veteran comes in and, and takes away some of those touches. So let's move on to the Giants, Rich. Um, who oh, do you skipping, have? Skipping the Eagles. That's a bit harsh. Oh, the, oh, okay. Because my typing in these in our uh, show sheet is that big that I only get to see one team at a time. So let's go with the Eagles, Rich, as you really want to speak about them. Um, and pulling off a steal of a trade today, if you haven't seen it, um, it's not fancy relevant, so I'm not going to talk about it, but absolutely steal, um, absolute steal of a trade. Rich, who is your first player that we're going to talk about? So it's Dallas Goddard. Um, look, I love the player. I love his potential. I really want more shares of Dallas Goddard, but I cannot bring myself to draft him where he's going or to pay the price that he costs in a trade. I think that tight end eight is absolutely perfect. And I think that, unfortunately, he's one of these guys that I think he's he's really good. And I wouldn't be shocked if he had a fantastic year. But I, I just can't get on board with his price in terms of the trade value, in terms of where he goes in startups. Um, you know, I'd pay a, probably a 23 second and a third for him. And that's just not getting it done. There's no way I'm paying two seconds and there's absolutely no way he's approaching a first for me. Um, so, yeah, look, really love the player. think he's ranked correctly, but just feel like this range of tight ends is just always overvalued. Yeah, as you can see in the show sheet, Rich, I put start of the tight end Z zone for me, and that is dependent on whether Goddard um, or Schultz is being drafted ahead of the other because that those two I've seen back and like flip back and forth in drafts regardless. But I don't want either of them at the cost that they're going. Um, I do think that Schultz's um I do think that Schultz is ranked correctly. I think Goddard is a little bit too high. But equally when I'm looking at this range of tight ends, I don't know who I'd put at tight end eight. Like I wouldn't put Frymouth there. I'm lower on Frymouth than a consensus i wouldn't put Knox there i wouldn't put gesicki there i think it's just one of those spots where no one really fits so it's kind of the best of the group and i don't know whether that is got it i'm still unsure on it i want to see how he does with aj brown now coming in because i don't think that that adjustment has been made in adp um maybe it's dropped him down a spot instead of being like flip back and forth between Schultz. In most people's minds, Schultz is now the the clear ahead tight end. But even, even then, like I still think that AJ Brown, it coming in with Devonta Smith still being there, Quez Watkins is looking like he's going to be the number three. And he demanded a, a good portion of targets last year when he started to get um, involved in that offense later on in the season. I'm not saying that he's going to command a hundred and take away from Goddard, but I'm just saying that there's three wide receivers in that offense that aren't going away. And it's not like it's a wide open wide receiver room. I think that their three wide receiver sets are uh, set for a lack of a better term. Um, I do think that Goddard is going to get his targets, but I don't think he's going to be fancy. Uh, like a fancy stud or take that leap into the elite tight end section. Um, Rich, apart from ripping me for talking about Quez Watkins, like he's um, the next coming of the the next top guy, is there anything you wanted to add on Goddard? 
No, not at all. I, don't get me wrong. I, you know, I, I think Quez, talking about Quez Watkins taking snaps or targets away from uh, uh, not necessarily taking targets away, it's, it's but like, he's going to get his own. Look, I, I think the interesting thing is is that Jalen Hurts didn't attack the middle of the field last year. You know, less than a quarter of his throws were in that naught twenty yard range. And I think that we're going to see a very different offense this year. They've brought in AJ Brown. That's where he's done the majority of his work. And I think that Dallas Goddard is going to be used as that field stretcher. And I'm very excited about that potential. But I, I'm just, I just can't get on board with the price, quite frankly. Who's, who's your guy, Liam? So um, I've gone with a person who's going to be throwing Dallas Goddard at the ball, um, and that's Jalen Hurts, if you didn't know. And if you didn't know, then I don't know why you're listening to Five Yard Dynasty. Um, maybe you're a new listener. But yeah, Jalen Hurts is the quarterback for the Eagles. Now, he's currently going as QB8. Um, and Rich, you stole my thunder. I put this on the show sheet. I knew what I was going to say before I'd even um, typed out my my little notes and then I looked on Twitter um earlier today Tuesday as of recording and you'd um put a tweet up about what happens to Jalen Hurts value dynasty value um if he has the starting job next year I think I said 2024 I believe I believe oh, I said... 2024 yeah look okay. I I'd like to caveat that with saying I didn't I didn't I hadn't read the show sheet it was a conversation that I was having <laughs> somebody in a DM and I thought they asked me what what my thoughts were on Jalen Hurts' value if I could guarantee that he was the starting quarterback in 2024. And I was like, he'd easily be top five and he's probably my QB4 behind Herbert Mahomes and Allen. And and that's it, is I don't think any player in all of fantasy has got a wider range of outcomes than Jalen Hurts. He he could be, you know, if he produces this year and gets a long-term contract, then he's an absolute bargain at his current price of QB8. However, the Eagles have got two first-round picks next year. There's absolutely a chance that Jalen Hurts is traded for a second. They use those two firsts to trade up and go and get a quarterback. So, you know, he is inherent with huge amounts of risk, but the reward is is massive. So it's not bad enough that you stole my thunder for what I was going to speak about on the pod on Twitter. You decided to do it on the pod as well. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, so um, basically, I was going to say everything that Richard said. Um, I think that Hertz could go either way. And with his, well, with the Eagles having two first next year, I think that that could either signify them moving up for a quarterback if Hertz doesn't um, appeal to them for whatever reason. But equally, I think that one of those first could be used to help along that offensive line, maybe get a running back if there's the value there. Um, and help out that offense. But Rich, let's move on to the Giants as there's not much left to say. Um, I'm going to go with the wide receiver room again. I'm going to go with Kenny Galladay. Now, he's a guy that I've been on for the entire of this offseason in terms of he's basically free and he's got upside. You've seen much worse reports um, over the past few weeks that Kenny Galladay doesn't look great and and all of this at wide receiver 90 i'm still taking that punt as a as a contending team that is basically free you if you're giving up a third then it's probably a little bit too much for the wide receiver 90 
Um, you're probably being able to pay a fourth, maybe uh, sending away a third and picking up a fourth on the on the back end. I think Golladay is just the free punt that you want and not expecting him to be a top 24 wide receiver. But if he can be a flex option in a in three uh, flex leagues, then that is the type of free punt that I want to go and pick up if I'm win now. If I'm uh, content, not contending, if I'm um, rebuilding, then I want nothing to do with Golladay. Then it, he, he is a wasted bench spot. But the win now roster is rich. How do you feel about him? Is there anything to add, or are you just completely out and you want to basically cut him because he's a roster clogger? I want no part of him. He is awful. I really liked him in Detroit. <laughs> he's got paid big money and has basically gone, yeah, I'm retiring in all but name. Um, I don't know if you've watched any of the Giants preseason. I watched the entire game of him against the Jets. And the effort was embarrassing. Uh, he was basically trying to shadow block a DB without touching him. He was running routes at half speed. Like, this is a guy that knows he can't get cut because of his contract and basically can't be asked to be out there. Um, I wouldn't be gobsmacked if he he was he was gone at some point this year. I don't think he'll be around in New York. Um, certainly a second after this season. I think he is gone. Um, you look at the advanced numbers. I mean, last year, his reception perception was a 20th percentile point. And that's, you know, this is a guy that was, he was, he, he's never been an elite route runner, but he was a 46th percentile route runner in, in 2020. And he's down at 20th percentile in 2021. I think, look, it's not a good situation. I think it is very much a blow-up year for the Giants. I think we're going to see them look to build and 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 grow from next year and beyond. And I think Kenny Golladay has got no part of that. I wouldn't be shocked if he was if he was kind of put on the outside and and we see them try to showcase and try to work in some of these youngsters, whether that be Tony, whether that be Wondell Robinson. Um, so yeah, if 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 I've got I've got a few shares of Ken Golday left over from the Detroit days. So if anyone listening wants to come and buy him off me for a third, I look, I hate third and fourth round draft picks, but I'll happily take one for uh, for Kenny G right now. Rich, who have you got as your uh, Giants player? It's Saquon Barkley. Um, I think my most talked about and my most written about player this off season. I think I've written three articles about Saquon Barkley so far this off season. Um, Look, we, we talked about boom bust with with Hertz, and I think Saquon Barkley is exactly that. His his values creeped up the last month or so. Um, I think people have suddenly realized just how good the upside could be. And obviously reports of him being in shape and looking good have, have been pretty impressive. But look, the list of players that could finish as the overall RB1, to me, you don't get two or three down the list. I think it's Christian McCaffrey, Jonathan Taylor, and I think third name out your mouth has to be Saquon Barkley. Um, this, the ceiling is higher than pretty much anyone in the league, not named Christian McCaffrey. But he's in the last year of his contract. As I said, New York are kind of blowing it up. He's going to be a free agent. Does anybody particularly want a free agent running back? He could be worth nothing more than the second by this time next year. So it is a huge risk. But if you can get Saquon Barkley as your RB2, 
he could absolutely be be the league winner this year because um, that's you know that's that's the kind of ceiling that he does have. Yeah, I've tried to get him as my RB2 in a few leagues and been unsuccessful. I think everyone's kind of in the mindset that he has that um, top upside. And um, if you look at his ADP over the past few months, he has creeped up, um, I believe, at the start of the off-season. He was going around the RB12 mark, so he has jumped up a few spots um, as we get closer to the season. Um, And he's now getting to that point where I'm not hesitating per se, but it's kind of a niggling thought in the back of my mind of should I be taking him at the RB7 spot or should I be taking um, another player that we'll we'll get to in a minute. Now, if you'll win now, I think Barkley is a a great candidate to outproduce his ADP um, at a a half-decent cost for an RB1. Equally, as you said, Rich, the Giants are basically blowing it up this season. You could see Barkley on a team that you probably don't want to see him on. And you you always have those question marks around those free agent uh, running backs, what that offensive line is going to do and and everything around that. So Barkley at RB7, I think, is about right in terms of his range of outcomes. But he definitely does have that elite upside. If he does become... Um, one of the best running backs again and shows that he's still got that after his injuries. Um, I think you're running with an RB1 for the next three years, uh, two to three years. Um, but Rich, let's move over to the AFC. Um, we'll start off with the Bills. So the Buffalo Bills, I've decided to put down Gabe Davis, wide receiver 40 in ADP right now. Um he was getting a load of hype in May, June time, maybe July time as well, um, as the Bills wide receiver too. And yeah, there was not much competition outside of Diggs that we were high on. Jamison Crowder that didn't work out by the looks of it. Now, I still really question that long-term value. I think for this year, if you're... In, if you're in redraft, then Gabe Davis is a, a guy that I can totally get on board for around that price. But he's not going there in redraft. He's going much higher. In Dynasty, I really question that long-term value. I don't see him being the wide receiver two solution in Buffalo, and I can kind of see them moving away from that and bringing in a new guy, whether it's uh, in the draft or in free agency next year. And wide receiver 40 is just a little bit rich to me. I mean, Ayuk is still going two spots behind him. Dotson, who we spoke about earlier, was going seven spots behind him at wide receiver 47. So to me, Rich, I'm not in on Gabe Davis, especially long-term. I know that you're a big proponent of day three wide receivers don't matter. So where do you fall on Gabe Davis, especially now with what we've seen from him, especially last playoff season? I think he's valued about right. And I know we talked about the discrepancy when we had Joe on the pod uh, a month or so ago. We talked about the discrepancy between, you know, this is a guy that's a top 24 wide receiver in ADP and redraft, yet Dynasty, you know, he's young, he's still on a rookie contract and he's being valued as wide receiver 40. Um, I think that I would I would have the two guys you mentioned in terms of John Dotson and Brandon Ayuk over him, absolutely. Um 
but I've I've done a full 180 on Gabe Davis. You know, I I was very out on him at the beginning of the off season. I thought people were hyping him up because of one playoff game, and I thought the value was was getting ridiculous. But the more it seems to have, you know, the more camp reports, the more they've not brought in an additional receiver, the more he's, you know, he's he's completely out on special teams. He's running, you know, 80, 90% root share in terms of he's in on all two wide receiver offensive snaps. And I, I, I think this value is, is decent. Um, I've got him at my wide receiver 37. Yes, I hear your concerns. I don't think he is, you know, a guy that I'd feel confident being a, despite being on that rookie contract, being a guy that I can pencil in for the next three, four years. But if he's, you know, a top 24 wide receiver for redraft, if he can give me one, maybe even two seasons at that value, but wide receiver 40 in ADP, that's decent value. So yeah, I'm I'm not all the way in, but I'm, I'm pretty happy at, at where he is currently going. Um, my guy, so you mentioned Jameson Crowder. I was uh, I was sneaky and and scooping up every share of Jameson Crowder I could at the beginning of the offseason because I was convinced that he was going to replace Cole Beasley and he was going to get fed that kind of slot role. Um, but I, sh- I should have heeded my own advice and and followed the money. You know the Bills paid Isaiah McKenzie twice what they paid Jameson Crowder, and here we are. You know three four months later and Isaiah McKenzie is running with the ones he has got that slots role on lock and i think wide receiver 76 is absolutely outrageous this is a guy that could see 80 90 100 targets this year in that slot role um i think in terms of cheap wide receiver targets that aren't going to cost you the world you can keep kenny golliday and and give me isaiah mckenzie every day of the week uh, yeah, I, I, I do think he's got the higher upside out of the two. Um, he's obviously on the better offense, um, but that does come with the cost at that at the wide receiver 76 mark compared to wide receiver 90 of Kenny Golladay. Um, there's not much of a difference in price there. So, yes, I would take McKenzie um, at cost over Golladay at cost. But equally um i still don't know what his long-term value is um they didn't pay him much they did pay him but not a lot and they have an out after this year so he may not be with the team next year depending on how he does i I just with this offense i can't get past the idea that they won't bring someone in next year um and I, i get your points around gabe davis i think that is kind of mellowed me a little bit on Gabe Davis in terms of bringing me back to closer to the ADP that the cost that he's got currently going at but I think right now I, I just can't see a world where a Super Bowl contender and they will be a, I, I can't see a world where they're not a Super Bowl contender in 2023 Um, don't bring in a, a top guy whether it's in the draft or whatever it may be i can't see them not bringing in a player if one of these two don't show up um and if either one of them don't show up i can see the guy bringing the it them bringing in becomes um higher on the depth chart than both together so it only takes one for both to fall in my opinion um but yeah it mckenzie is a great win now piece if you've got him as a 
as like a flex consideration in deeper leagues. Um, Rich, let's I move. Just, oh, as you can say, my my one thing I'd say is you talk about them bringing somebody in next year, and I just I just don't see where it's coming from. I think this is a team that made their final big swing in going and getting Von Miller and paying him, you know, that frankly obscene contract to come in and play for them. They're they're currently eight million over the cap for next year. That's without, you know, a couple of new deals that that, that could potentially um be handing out. This is a team that has already got stuff on digs. So I guess the question is if if you think that they're gonna add somebody into this offense next year, do we think they're going and spending a first round pick on a wide receiver? If the answer to that is no, then I don't see a world in which Isaiah McKenzie and Gabe Davis are are, are, are going to get supplanted by somebody else because they've certainly not got the cap space to go and bring somebody in. So I think it's it's going to have to be through the draft. Yeah. Um, I still don't believe in either of them. I get your points and I, I really do. Um, we could probably talk about this for the rest of the pod. Um, I do get the points and maybe... Yeah, maybe Gabe Davis hasn't or, or won't get supplanted by like a second round rookie. Um, but I do think that they are bringing someone in, depending on what that kind of situation may be, if it's halfway through the season, um, where they start to falter in their, their wide receivers. Um, because Beasley was a massive part of that offense. And if they can't replace that, then does Knox become that guy or I, I there's just a question mark after Diggs for me and if for whatever reason Davis or McKenzie if not both show out then I will happily be wrong on this one um but I just can see one of them faltering and then them both getting supplanted next year um however that may be because you you know what the NFL teams are like, Rich. They could cut someone that is huge and then have a load of cap space left over. And the cap space, uh, cap is a myth, or however anyone wants to put it. Anyway, let's move on to the Dolphins, Rich, before you start um, digging into my awful Bills analysis there. Um, so you've got down um, a player that is falling in ADP but I'm kind of still unsure on that current price who have you got Rich so my guy's Mike Kosicki um I, I I'm I'm fully out on Mike Kosicki okay this is a guy that has basically been buoyed in terms of his production because of the way he's been used um and he's been almost exclusively used as a big slot receiver um, and now we see him where he's now going to be used as a traditional tight end. And that just means I don't think he's a very good blocker and I don't think he's a good enough talent. Yes, whilst he's an elite athlete, I don't think he's a good enough talent to be used in that way. In 2021, he was used as an inline tight end on less than 12% of the snaps. So far this preseason, he's been used 55% of the snaps as an inline tight end. I I think that 
people that have taken him as the tight end 13 are basically just looking at last year's results and, and haven't put two and two together. And I think that this offense is going to run through Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. And I think that Mike Gesicki is now in a new role and, and he's probably not going to be long for Miami. They've talked about potentially trying to trade him. I think that he's going to be in a new home next year. I don't think he's a good enough receiver to command that kind of big slot role on the open market. So for me, I think tight in 13, I'm, I'm happily selling him at that price. I'd, I'd take a second for him if you can get it. I don't think you will do. To be honest, I'd, I'd probably take two thirds for him. That's how how far out I am right now. Um, I just don't think that the role and the usage is going to create good value, good value from a fancy perspective. Yeah, I have question marks about how he's going to be used this year as well. I mean, I think when I say question marks, I mean we know how he's going to be used. It's just how well he's going to do in that role. Um, as you said, he wasn't in a line tight end. Um, I don't think he stays around in Miami after this year. He was tagged um, as a tight end, so um, I just don't see him staying there. And if he does go somewhere where he's used less so as a tight end and more so as a wide receiver, then his value could jump back up to where it was, like tight end 9, tight end 10 range. Um, But equally, um, there aren't many teams that will do such a thing so if he has to be used as an inline tight end um more than as you said 12 percent of snaps then it's not going to be great for him in terms of the tight end market um and as listeners probably have had it hammered into their heads by now he's in the tight end dead zone for me um not a, a value that i want to um grab unless he falls a ridiculous amount um, I think, yeah, as you said, if you can get a second for him, I'm smashing that deal. Um, Titan premium, maybe a second and a third, but even then, a second, I'd probably still take it. I'm going to move over to um, the quarterback in Miami. So that's Tua Tagovailoa. So, Rich, I think that he is the one quarterback that I can see making the jump, and I'm probably the most comfortable with him taking that jump um i mean he's got the weapons as we we spoke about just he's got mike gesicki even though he may not do brilliantly um he's still an elite athlete in terms of um what he can do at the tight end position you've got uh jayla waddle waddle who um two are played with in college and well, he he broke he blew up last year, didn't he? And then you've got Tyreek Hill, who the Dolphins traded for. Now, I think that the scheme will help him in terms of um, his decision making because we saw that that was um, a little bit of an issue last year. I think QB fifteen, where he's currently going, is about right. Um, but I do think that his trade value is going to be lower than where his ADP is. I don't think you're having to pay QB 15 prices, essentially a fringe QB one price to go and get to her. Um, I think he's just going there as when people look after that, um, that fringe QB one tier. So that's kind of like Lance Fields, Trevor Lawrence, that kind of range. 
I think people are looking after that and seeing Tua as the young guy that could make that step. And that's why he's going at QB 15. He's kind of like the next best guy um, or the best of the rest. But I I don't, as I said, I don't think the trade value is at that um, price. And I don't think that he will lose the job in the next two years. I think if the Dolphins are out on him, um, then they'll still have him playing next year because they don't have um, the the picks to go up and go and get a top rookie quarterback. Um, Rich, I know that you're not huge to a fan, so um, try and convince me otherwise. No, I mean, look, the ceiling's just not there, and this is a range where of quarterback value that. I'd rather take on punt on someone with upside. We've talked about this, you know, plenty. I think you can get safe with your QB3 spot, but I'd rather be aggressive with my QB2 spot. And and the value he's going in, you know, give me Jameis Winston, give me, you know, to be honest, Zach Wilson over Tua, because I think that the ceiling is far greater. If, you know, if if Tua was going five, six, seven quarterbacks later in the, you know, Baker Mayfield range, even like a Kenny Pickett range, then yeah, I'd I'd feel much happier with rostering him. But I just think where he's going from a value perspective, the ceiling's not there. You know, we saw last year he had one week as a as a top ten quarterback all season. I think he's basically left-handed Jimmy G in what's gonna be a Shanahan offense. Jimmy G last year with, you know, three elite weapons, if you're counting Ayuk, Kittle and Debo Samuel, he had two weeks inside the top 10. One was, he had a Q, finished QB5 in week eight and QB7 in week nine. Like the elite upside just isn't there for me. Um, and I, that's how I feel about Tour. I think, yeah, he, he's probably going to be two years. He's probably going to be a safe, solid starter, but that's just not what I want. In two flex leagues, I'd I'd much rather pump for the upside because I think I can get, you know, decent, safe production at my quarterback spot much later. Yeah, I get that. And we've we've spoken about this before on the pod that I'm going back months now of if you go for a safe QB two, then you're looking for a QB three with upside and vice versa. Um I mean as you said, you're more of a QB two with upside and safer QB three. Um, but if you are looking for a safer QB two, I don't think you can get worse than um, Tua right now. I mean, you could look well, at Mac Jones and say he's really safe, but I don't think Mac Jones has the same type of upside. I'm not saying that Tua has elite potential. I'm just saying that I think he could be a fringe QB one someone like a Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill type of I've just I've just status. looked I've just looked at ADP, okay? So he is going ahead of Tom Brady. Why why in what world would you rather have Tua over Tom Brady for this year? And yes, Tua's got the potential in dynasty. Yeah, but in what world? Tua could could be a starter next year. Tom Brady could be a starter next year. We don't know. How can you value Tua over Tom Brady when one's probably going to finish as a top 10 quarterback and one might get into the top 20? He's going ahead of Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr. Like you've just said, safe quarterbacks. I know that Derek Carr is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL in two years' time. 
It might not be with the Raiders, but he is going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL in two years' time. I know that with Kirk Cousins. I don't know that with Tua. And the the elite upside isn't there for me to take them over him, to, to, for, to take him over them. He's he's not an upside play. He's not got that elite ceiling. He's not got that rushing upside. Yet he's being priced in a range where you're, you're basically paying a premium for someone safe, but there's safer options just because he's young. But there's no guarantee he's going to be a quarterback in two years' time. I just think that for me, the, the price is, is ridiculous. That's why I said I don't think the trade value price is the same as the ADP. Because yeah. I agree with you that I'd rather some of those guys over him. And in drafts, that's probably where people are thinking is, oh, he's young. That's the type of guy that I want. But equally, I don't think that you, if you're trying to trade for Carr and you're trying to trade for Tua, I think Tua is going to be cheaper and not just by like a, a random third throw in. I think he's going to be a good chunk cheaper. Same with Cousins. I don't think that you're having to pay as much for Tua as you are for Cousins right now, um, just in trade value. So I get the points that you're making. And yes, I'd rather have Kirk Cousins and um, Carr over him. But I also don't think you're having to pay the, those type of pro- or QB15 prices. Um, but Rich, let's move on to the Jets. So um, a guy that we spoke about earlier, we kind of hinted at your next guy. Who's that going to be? So my guy's Brees Hall. Um, look, I've, I've been all in on Brees Hall all offseason. Um, the price recently is, has fallen quite significantly. And I think people, this is where... I guess highlights Twitter and perhaps box score Twitter comes back to to bite people because yeah if if you watch two or three plays of Brees Hall in the off season he looks pretty poor if you look at his box scores I think he's averaging like two yards a carry so far in the off season he doesn't look great but if I was to tell you that the, at no point did the Jets have their starting offensive line together for a preseason game. If I was to tell you that the Jets offensive line haven't really practiced together for the first, basically all off season, you know, there's, there's reasons why he doesn't look great. He's never going to be a guy that's going to sit there and have an elite um, kind of highlight reel in preseason because he's just not that type of player. He's not a guy that's going to catch the ball in space, make three guys miss and take it to the house. That's not him, but I still believe in the talent. I think he is an absolutely elite prospect. I think this offense showed last year that it is very inventive in the run game. And I think we're going to see him be utilized in interesting ways. And I think that their run scheme specifically off the back of that outside zone is one of the most inventive in the NFL. And I think that he is going to absolutely feast. Now, do I think that RB10 is a value? Absolutely. I think he's he's my RB4 at the moment. Look, I People listening to this new might think that it's just because he's a Jets. I'm traditionally lower on pretty much every Jet, other than these two that we're going to talk about and maybe one more, um, than, than most people. I'm lower than consensus on all Jets. I've been all in on Brees Hall since before the draft, and I think that running back 10, if I can buy the dip because of this supposedly slow preseason you know if you watch him in training camp if you watch the practices he's looking great 
It's only in the games he's not, and that's because the offensive line hasn't been put together properly. Um, if if he has a slow start weeks one and week two, I'm buying all all the Brees Hall I can um, because I think it's going to be like Jonathan Taylor. You know, we remember we saw Jonathan Taylor first five six weeks he looked slow. People started selling off shares and and got made to look stupid by the end of the year. Yeah, I I like the idea of this. Um, I love the value. RB10 is, when when I put it in the show sheet, you even questioned it with me because you had um, had him three spots higher with a different ADP, um, like an earlier in the off-season from DLF. So um, I was surprised when I noticed that it dropped three spaces as well because we had it at the RB7, I believe it was, so three or four spaces. Um, I mean, Brees Hall is... You were you were unhappy with the Jets by taking him in the draft because you loved him that much, and it's kind of like a Sky Moore situation for you. Um, I think that Brees Hall is absolutely going to be one of the best backs in the league in um, in twelve months' time. We're going to be talking about him in a similar situation to Javante Williams, um, but without all the question marks about how much Melvin Gordon is going to take. I think that Brees Hall is just going to be um, one of the best backs in Dynasty. And I could easily see him slotting in with Najee Harris in that tier, right? Or where we have Najee Harris right now in that RB2 tier, where it's kind of him and there's not really anyone else challenging that RB2 role from him. Um, I think Brees Hall could easily jump up to that range and just be sat in that tier slightly behind Jonathan Taylor. Um, yeah, RB10 is a great value. And if I, if I could buy the dip right now, then I'm easily taking that price. Um, I'm going to move over to my player, Rich, as Garrett Wilson. We're going to talk about the other um, offensive rookie that the uh, the Jets took. So... Um, I kind of wanted to speak speak about him because he's not getting any media coverage whatsoever. I think I've seen one, maybe two things on Twitter recently. Um, but preseason-wise, he's just not... He's been uneventful is probably the best way to put it. Um, there's not been any co- national-wise um, in the US. There's not been much large media coverage. There might be some more stuff for the Jets that you've seen, Rich, um, as a Jets fan. But... Um, when you look at the whole league, there's not much um, coming out there. That might be a lack of highlights and and that. But I think the biggest thing for me is this year, I don't think that Garrett Wilson is going to be um, that type of guy that's going to be, come in and become like a Justin Jefferson, Jamal Chase. I know they're high ceilings, but um, carry dynasty value over into the next year, like a, a CD Lamb maybe. I do think that um, Elijah Moore is probably the number one for this year with Garrett Wilson turning on to the end of the season. Um, But I think next year, Garrett Wilson at wide receiver 27 right now is going to look like a value. Um, And I can easily see him being a mid-wide receiver two. Um, If you told me he was a wide receiver, mid-wide receiver two, say uh, wide receiver 16 in ADP next year, I wouldn't bat an eyelid at that. Yeah, I think that look the the best thing I can say for Garrett Wilson is that he's he's not had the greatest preseason in terms of the games because he's not been on the field much. And for a rookie that 
you know, teams normally play rookies a little bit more than they'll perhaps play their normal starters. He's not been on the field because the Jets think that much of him that he doesn't need the the kind of the work and the, I guess, the game speed because he's pretty much there. You know, this is a guy that hasn't run more than nine routes so far in a preseason game. Um, I still think he's an elite talent. I agree with you that I think he's probably the wide receiver too in terms of target volume for the Jets this year. I do think that in terms of role, I think we're going to see him as a more traditional outside receiver. And I'm really excited about him beyond um beyond this year and yes i think the biggest question mark around him is what the hell's happening at quarterback and to be honest that's that's the question for everything jets related is is zach wilson the answer if he's if he's not then probably all all the jets dynasty piece pieces are are overvalued because we're going to be going back to square one next year looking for a quarterback but i think that his kind of under the radar not news headline grabbing preseason to me isn't a cause for concern because I think that he's still a great prospect. He's still, you know, he's getting yards per route run in the preseason. He's at 2.3 targets per route. He's over 30%. Like the underlying numbers are there. The production's there. And I've not heard bad things, which in preseason with rookies is, is basically all I'm looking for is, are you getting slated? If not, I'm happy. So let's move on to the last team that we're going to talk about on this pod, Rich, and that's the Patriots. Um, I'm going to stick with me this time, and I'm going to go with um, Damian Harris. He's currently going as the RB34, which I thought was a little bit high for me, or or about right, uh, maybe one or two spots high. And then I saw that uh, Ramondre Stevenson is going five spots ahead of him at RB29. To me, um, the one I want to own out of those two is Damian Harris. Um, I mean, Stevenson coming off a, a, a good rookie year in that type of offense. Um, we know what that New England backfield is like, where um, you don't really know who's going to be the lead back every week um, or on any given week. So I can understand the the, the cheapness, I suppose, of Damian Harris, but um, I think that he's going to go away from New England and have a much better career than what he's already had, and that's saying something. Um, RB34, he's currently going, uh, going behind Tony Pollard, who we spoke about earlier, and I'd much rather um, Harris at this point. I do think that the trade value um, doesn't match ADP and you're probably having to pay a little bit more um, than RB34 type of prices. Where do you fall down on um, Damien Harris, Rich? I think that he's an average, dare I say it, volume-based RB2. Um, I think that he's buoyed by the volume he gets. I don't think he's a very good running back. And I think that for me, quite frankly, I would have Ramondre Stevenson over him every day of the week. Um, it's funny you saying about the ranks. So I've got Damian Harris at running back 40 and I've got Ramondre Stevenson at running back 26. I think that to me, Ramondre Stevenson is a, a more talented player 
I think he's more versatile. I think we're going to see this year that Stevenson's going to get utilised in the passing game, whereas I think that Damian Harris is basically reliant on first and second down carries and, and goal line work. And that's not any player that I ever want to roster at cost. So, yeah, if if I can sell him at those running back 34 prices, by all means, because where you're saying that you, you're, you're hopeful about him getting a good spot next year in free agency, I'm really not. I think that that, you know, ploddy, ham and egger type running back just, just never gets a good role in free agency because... You know, you. I think you can replace Damian Harris with a fourth, fifth round pick in the draft. You know, I, I don't see that he has got any elite talent. I don't think that he is great at any one thing. And I think that the Patriots are starting to realise that. Plus you tie in with the fact that I want very little to do with a uh, a Patriots offence that's spearheaded by uh, old pencil behind the ear and um, Joe Judge. <laughs> Look, it's at cost. I want nothing to do with Damien Harris. Um, Rich, who have you got as the final player for this pod? So my my player is Tyquan Thornton, um, which you may think is slightly slightly strange one, considering he's just broken his collarbone and had surgery. Um, but I'm I'm well, buying very the... on brand for you. I'm, I'm... Thornton a little bit more exactly, but also I'm I'm buying the injury dip. Look, I really liked him in the pre-draft process. I was higher on him than most in terms of rookie ranks. Um, but the guy was having a great camp. All reports are that that he was going to force Nelson Aguilar to be cut. And, you know, he, he was the best receiver in, in the Patriots offense. And I think that the hate went far too far on him. You tie him the fact that he's now broken his collarbone and he's going to be sat on the sidelines for six to eight weeks. I think people are going to forget about him. And I think you can probably go and buy him for maybe a, what a third or fourth round pick. Maybe you can trade Kenny holiday for him straight up. Um, look, I, I, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy buying the injury dip because I, I think this time, you know, we've, we've just started the, uh, the September ADP for DLF. I think he's probably going to be ranked in the wide receiver 90 range, something like that, because I think he's, uh, he's definitely going to be a fuller in ADP over the next month. I love it. Yeah, I don't have anything to add. I think is a cheap um, NFL second rounder that, yeah, he's going to fall in value. He's currently going wide receiver uh, 74. And I, as you said, I can't see a world where he doesn't drop in ADP. If you're going to take a, a dip here. Yeah, and if you're going to take a punt on a wide receiver, why not make it a wide receiver that's fast and has got big play potential? And if he can carve out enough volume, he's going to be fantasy relevant. You know, he's always going to have a role on an NFL team because he's fast and he can stretch your defense. So if he can carve out the volume, he's got the potential to be a really interesting dynasty asset. So that is it for the enigmatic East, as I've managed to call it, and basically give me give myself a. Uh, a tongue twister for the entire episode and every time I want to try and say it. Um, the dynasty tip this week, Rich, um, I'm going to go with probably one that I like to try and keep to as much as I can, especially at this time of the year, and it's be the first to rebuild. And it's basically what it says on the tin. 
Um, always try and be the first to rebuild or announce that you're rebuilding. Try and send those offers out because when you're competing with three or four other rebuilding rosters in week four, when people know that they're not going for the playoffs, your chances of getting those first, especially with this type of 2023 class where it's been hyped to oblivion, then you're going to struggle to rebuild and get the same value you can probably get right now with those firsts. Um, Rich, is there anything you want to add with be first to rebuild? No, no, you summed it up perfectly. So that is all we have on the show sheet, guys. So that's all we have for you. Um, we'll be back next week at 8 p.m. UK time as usual on a Tuesday, and that'll be over on Twitter at Five Yard Rush. Um, or you can find the audio pod out later in the week. Um, but until then, stay safe, Rush Nation, and remember, be the first to rebuild. Bye, guys. HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.